Hey, did you know Bluff Country Feed and Seed is your locally owned hometown feed and seed supplier located in Mondovi? Whether it's your pet or your business, they have the products and service that you need. From cows to horses to pigs and even chickens. They even offer agronomy services from seed to fertilizers and chemicals and even feed and forage sampling. Bluff Country Feed and Seed, your hometown feed and seed supplier. To learn more about Bluff Country Feed and Seed, check out their website at bluffcountryfs.com. That's bluffcountryfs.com. Wax 104.5, good morning to you. I'm Kristen Smith and Jill Welke is with us this morning. Good morning, Jill. Good morning. So this morning I saw seven deer. That was the extent of my drive-in. I'm kind of disappointed that my deer count isn't higher like it used to be. I heard they were really out and about. My favorite milk truck hauler, milk hauler said that they were really out where he was at. Huh. Well, I'm glad they were by him, not by me. I had seven. That was enough. I didn't see any deer. I just saw a raccoon. A raccoon? Yeah. Did you hit the raccoon? Oh, uh, it, sur- it survived. It survived. Well, that's a bonus. They can really do damage to vehicles. Eh, well, when you, got a, when you have the pickup, I'm not afraid. <laughs> oh, boy. It does more damage to my my uh, chickens, so that's what I was thinking uh, about. Yes, you and Bob have similarities there. You don't like things in your yard. And, you know, for him, he doesn't like them chewing on his flowers and his vegetables. And he doesn't like critters in there. Yeah, I know. Well, when it, when they come through in two days and take care of all your chicken herd, it makes kind of a hard time for getting those eggs sold. That's true. Well, it was a beautiful weekend this weekend. Did you do anything fun? Not really. No? I, I volunteered for uh, another job Ooh. on the church council, but <laughs> <laughs> and I got my homework done. So well, I that's guess a bonus. I was I was productive. How about you? I uh, didn't do too much on Saturday and Sunday. My husband, well, I, I took the dog for a walk. He took the kids out to the woods, and he has a trail camera up because he just got a bobcat last week. You know, hunting season, or I think it was last week or so. So he had his trail camera up yet. And so they saw it, and they didn't know it was his. So they're, like, making funny faces in it and being like, hey, who is this? And, yeah, we didn't have the heart to tell them that it was our camera. So (laughs) we're excited to see what we're going to have. But they had a lot of fun this weekend. Well, I think maybe that's something that will come back to haunt them later, right? Yeah, maybe. (laughs) But it was a beautiful weekend, so hopefully everybody got out and about out there. It was just a nice, nice weekend, not too cold. It was decent. I mean, you could actually get outside, go for a walk. And this morning, on the other hand, it's a little bit chilly. We're at 2 degrees right now in the Eau Claire Chippewa Falls Menominee area, but looking for a high of 31. Five years. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And it is a Monday morning here at Wax. We've got a lot of stuff going on today in agriculture. Jill will be mentioning a little bit later on about meetings that are coming up this week. We're going to be talking about the political tensions between Ukraine and Russia and how that affects agriculture. We're going to be talking about CRP and, of course, the EPA announcing stuff with the renewable fuel standards. We've got a busy morning here at WAC, 5 o'clock in the morning. And it is, again, 5 o'clock at 104.5 FM, WAXX in Eau Claire. It's time this morning to check in with some news. NBC News Radio, I'm Mark Mayfield. A new blast of winter weather is about to leave several more states shivering. The next major storm moves in tomorrow, dumping snow on Colorado, also expected to hit from Missouri into Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, and Michigan. A historic storm already hit the east coast over the weekend, burying parts of Massachusetts in up to 30 inches of snow and leading to three deaths in New York. Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton says he'll keep an open mind when it comes to President Biden's nominee for the Supreme Court. As a member of the committee, I will try to ask questions that contain a bit more logic than Kamala Harris's line of questioning. Appearing on Fox News Sunday, the Republican lawmaker said as a member of the Senate Judiciary Committee, they will review qualifications of the nominee, but doesn't expect Biden to nominate someone him or his fellow Republicans can support. Cotton says he believes Biden should nominate a jurist who is committed to the Constitution to replace retiring Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer. It seems most voters want President Biden to consider all candidates for the open Supreme Court seat. A new poll by ABC News and Ipsos puts the number at 76 percent, with more than half of Democrats agreeing. 23% say they want the president to stick with his promise to nominate the first black woman. 
North Korea has reportedly fired its longest-range missile since 2017. Jim Forbes has the story. The South Korean and Japanese governments say the intermediate-range ballistic missile was launched off the east coast of the Korean Peninsula. Officials in Tokyo say it flew nearly 500 miles, reaching over 1,200 miles into the atmosphere before plunging into the sea. I'm Jim Forbes. And a former Miss USA is being remembered for her beauty and strength. The family of Chesley Chris says they're devastated to share that she died yesterday. Police say the 30-year-old lawyer jumped from the 29th floor of her New York apartment building. She reportedly left a note leaving everything to her mother. Chris won the crown in 2019 and then became a TV correspondent for the entertainment news show Extra. You're listening to the latest from NBC News Radio. Kind of a sad news story there at the end that she jumped from her very tall building. That's You never want to hear that. It's just that's always a kind of a tough one. But it is 5.03 in the morning. We've got to move on with some news in agriculture. And some agricultural producers and landowners can sign up now for the Conservation Reserve Program, or as what farmers know it as, is the CRP. A conservation program offered by the USDA to address climate change and achieve other natural resource benefits. The general CRP sign-up will run starting today through March 11th, and the grassland CRP sign-up will run from April 4th to May 13th. Now, last year in 2021, producers and landowners enrolled 4.6 million acres into CRP, including 2.5 million acres in the largest grassland CRP sign-up in history. There are currently 22.1 million acres enrolled, and FSA is aiming to reach 25.5 million acre cap set for the 22 fiscal year. And Jill, we've got some more meetings coming up, so we got the CRP sign-up that's starting today. What else is going on? Well, there's a deadline for getting enrolled in the Cornerstone Dairy Academy. It, the deadline is today, and that takes place in the, at the Kalahari Resort in Wisconsin Dells on March 15th and 16th. There is, for Ag Country Farm Credit Services, they're having a Marshfield Winter Forum today. Oh, sorry, Tuesday, February 1st, 9.30 a.m., coffee and donuts, 10 o'clock meeting with lunch to follow. That is for Tuesday the 1st, tomorrow. And that's Egg Countries, and whereabouts is that in Marshfield tomorrow? It says at the Marshfield Egg Country office. Okay. Sounds and good. They're going to go on updates to crop changes and tax law changes. Okay. Anything else going on this week? Oh, there's a lot of stuff going Ooh, on tomorrow. Good. Tuesday, the February 1st, it must be just a stellar day for lots of meetings. Private pesticide applicator training is scheduled for tomorrow in Chippewa County Courthouse, room room 003. It's going to start at 9.30 and go to about 3 o'clock with lunches on your own. So that's pe- private pesticide applicator training, Chippewa County. Okay. And one more thing for tomorrow. Um, in Baldwin, Compere Financial is going to have... A guest speaker starting at 10 o'clock at the Phoenix Bar and Grill to go over crop insurance meetings. Nice. So we've got a lot of meetings coming up tomorrow. The one in Marshfield for Egg Country. We've got the CRP sign-up starting today. We've got comp here tomorrow. It's going to be a busy week for meetings. And then, of course, on Wednesday, Groundhog Day. We'll find out if we got six more weeks of winter or... I don't know, basically six more weeks until two. spring. <laughs> it's about a horse apiece there. Six so, more weeks of winter or two and a half months or a month and a half of winter. Yep. So, yeah, we've got a busy morning coming up and we've got some weather coming up next and then we've got our market. So it's a busy day. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. It's time to take a look at our morning weather this morning and weather will be brought to you by Markport Motors. Looks like we're going to have a nice day today, looking at a high of 31 degrees, but it's going to be a cloudy day. But that means tonight it's not going to get super cold. We're going to have a low of 28 degrees. Tomorrow's going to be cloudy and high of 35. Tomorrow night's going to chill out a little bit, negative one for the low. Wednesday is going to be our cooler day, mostly cloudy, with only a high of 11. Wednesday night, negative nine, and Jill tells me it's going to be getting colder. Temperatures around the area right now, we've got Medford at 2 degrees, La Crosse at 9, Marshfield is at 8 degrees, Green Bay 15, Rice Lake is at 10, Wausau's a little chilly this morning at 5, Madison at 14, Milwaukee at 18 degrees, and right here in the Eau Claire Chippewa Falls Menominee area, we're at 2 degrees. 
And your Skywarn 13 weather, again, is brought to you by Marquardt Motors. Marquardt Motors would like to thank their valued and loyal customers, their hardworking employees, and the surrounding community for making Marquardt Motors the largest General Motors dealership in the state of Wisconsin. We've got markets coming up next, and this morning's markets will be brought to you by... Farm markets are brought to you by Rural Mutual Insurance. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. All business owners want the same thing, to make their business succeed. At Rural Mutual, they help that happen. As the third largest writer of commercial business in Wisconsin, they take the time to learn your business so they can properly protect you. Call your local agent today or visit RuralMutual.com. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. The Lax Farm Truck is on the road covering farm events like fairs, field days, meetings, and a lot more. And a big thank you to our sponsors riding with us, including McMillan Warner Mutual Insurance. For all your insurance needs for auto, home, farm, or commercial property, the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Wisconsin farmers supporting Wisconsin agriculture. And Star Blends, a Wisconsin company manufacturing and delivering the highest quality feed at economical prices. Riding with us at Wax. Supporting Agriculture. For those who work in acres, not in hours, Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. It's 10 after 5, and again this morning, our markets are brought to us by Rural Mutual Insurance. We're going to jump right in with choice-fed beef steers are 130 to 146 and a half, with mixed at 1 to 129. Choice-fed beef steers. Beef heifers are 129 to 145 with mixed at 117 to 128. Choice fed Holstein steers are 108 to 127 with selects at 82 to 107. Our cows are at 44 to 64 with a top of 64 and a half to 81 and a half. Bulls are 51 to 94. Butcher hogs are 35 to 54 with sows coming in at 40 to 47. Boars are 15 to 19. New crop market lambs are at 245 and feeder lambs are 250 to $4. Thank you so much, Jill. And looking at the Mercantile Exchange, live cattle for February is at 138.70, that's up 87 cents. April's at 143.10, up $1.47, and June is at $138, up $1.30. Feeder cattle for March is at 159.62, up 12 cents. April's at 165.30, up 20 cents. May is at 169.92, up 60 cents. Lean hogs for February is at 87.92, that's up 90 cents. April's at 94.92, up a quarter. And May is at $99.90, that's up 67 cents. And looking at the Chicago Board of Trade, we had some great news on the overnight and at the end of last week. March corn up four is 6.40. March oats big jump up 35 cents to 7.10. March soybeans up 19 cents to 14.89. March soybean meal was up six dollars and 40 cents to 4.17.60 a ton. Your March wheat was up eight at 7.94. Looking at the dairy side, barrel cheese up six and a half cent to a dollar 74 and a quarter. Your blocks were up six cents to a dollar 79. Double A grade butter up a nickel to 2.54. And your Class 3 futures for January were unchanged because today is the last day of the month. We're at $20.36. February was up $0.35 cents to 2019. March up $0.69 cents to 2138. April up $0.47 cents to 2150. May up $0.37 cents to 2145. And the markets were upward double digits through November of this year. So some good news this morning with the markets. Well, let's take a look at some ag news this morning. Last week, the Environmental Protection Agency finalized an extension of compliance deadlines for refiners for 2019, 2020, 2021, and 2022. On Friday, the EPA's final action rolls the deadlines based on publication of the final Renewable Volume Obligation, or RVO, for 2020 to 2022. The EPA proposal calls for retroactive cuts to the corn ethanol portion of the Renewable Fuel Standard Volumes below 15 billion gallons to 12.5 billion for 2020 and sets the level at 13.32 billion for 2021. The proposal delivered a victory to oil producers who have been asking for cuts to conventional ethanol for some time. The agency would then increase corn ethanol volumes to 15 billion gallons in 22. The negative RFS news for biofuels and agriculture was offset by the EPA's proposed rejection of the pending 65 small refinery exemption requests 
for 2016 through 2021. As part of the announcement, EPA proposed a new method for determining who receives exemptions. So we're going to keep you up to date on what is all going to happen there. It's kind of confusing when they're talking about things that have happened a few years ago. Well, Jill, tell me, you know, we were talking off air a little bit about Ukraine and how Ukraine is a big player in egg. Tell me what's going on with that. The political tensions between Ukraine and Russia continue to rise. What does that mean for egg? Ukraine is a key player in global agriculture with more than 41.5 million hectares or 102.5 million acres of agricultural land that covers 70% of the country. The country's main crops are sunflowers, corn, soybeans, wheat, and barley. Globally, Ukraine ranks first in global sunflower production, sixth in corn and barley production, seventh in rapeseed production, and ninth in soybean and wheat production. The share of agriculture and export revenues for Ukraine increased from 26% in 2012 to 45% in 2020, amounting to $22.2 billion. Ukraine is also the number one exporter of sunflower oil in the world. That's really interesting. I did not know that. I did not know that either. But, you know, here's a fun story for us this morning. It's another W. For the third year in a row, the University of Wisconsin River Falls team took first place at the National Forage Bowl competition, which was held in Wichita, Kansas. Now, the competition is similar to Jeopardy and covers all aspects of forage production and management, incorporating questions on forage quality, history, grazing management, hay and silage, plant morphology, poisons and toxicities, and soils and fertility. The UW River Falls team members are all crop and soil science majors. Well, that's some good news. Congratulations to the team. We always like to hear some good news there, and I think that would be kind of interesting to kind of sit in on that and... I mean, not that we need to know about poisons and toxicities, but it's still interesting. Maybe they can find a way to get rid of my Japanese beetles. Yeah, I hear you have a, quite a problem oh, with those. They keep eating all of my flowers. And so I, I don't know. I think I'm going to have to go with artificial or put up. I don't know. We have to figure out something. I've tried everything. They still keep coming back. So, those little buggers. I know. Well, that's a look at what's going on today. And we're actually going to hear from Bob Bosold coming up in just a little bit. He had a chance. Well, Jill, you tell me about it. Who did Bob have a chance to speak with this last, well, a couple weeks ago now? He was talking about sustainable agriculture and sustainable food products. Okay. And uh, he he did this interview before he left. Oh, that's right. He's been gone. And he'll be coming back this week. We'll see what kind of tan he has. Hopefully he got a little sunburnt. We can pick on him, you know, pat him on the shoulder or something. I'd be okay with that. That'd be okay. (laughs) All right. We're about 20 minutes after 5 o'clock, so that'll be coming up next. The crack of dawn never sounded so good. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. You know, everybody in the food industry, the grocery industry, in agriculture, talking about sustainability. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. But you know what? Agriculture has been focused on sustainability basically since its beginning. Although now we're telling the story a little bit better. Jill, Bob Bosel got a chance to visit with one of our Wisconsin growers and shares the message of uh, what sustainability may look like on a farm. Yes, Pam. Bob had the chance to talk to Lee Kennard of Casco, Wisconsin. He's a dairy farmer that's a board member of Farmers for Sustainable Food. This is Jill Welke from the northern end of the world's longest barn. Bob asked him how this group came about. Farmers are very much engaged in sustainability as far as our food supply, the environment, and there's an organization now called Farmers for Sustainable Food, and Lee Kennard, who's a dairy farmer and a board member for the organization, dairy farmer in the Casco area around Wisconsin. Lee, first of all, give us a little background as we talk about Farmers for Sustainable Food. Give us the, uh, the overall group thought or how this came to be. Yeah, so really we're a pretty new organization, so uh, we're making some really big progress really fast, but really how we came to be is, you know, the conversation about agriculture, about so much in the world, is sustainability. Um, so probably about seven years ago, uh, a group of farmers, processors, retailers um, started meeting and talking about what is sustainability. So that's really was the beginnings of Farmers for Sustainable Food, um, defined sustainability, but I think we did things a little differently. Um, we reached out to all parties involved. You know, it, it does no good to talk 
in a vacuum. So I think uh, did a really good job, the processors, the retailers, the farmers, and I think we went one step further, which has really been crucial. We reached out to partners like the Nature Conservancy, environmental groups that look at things just a little bit differently. And I think that's really been the strength of Farmers for Sustainable Food. Um, with that, it's, it's really given us a very clear definition of sustainability. It's also given us a very clear path to, number one, finding out where we are on the sustainability journey as a whole, individually as the individual farm, as the individual processor, and really laying a roadmap to how do we get to the definition of sustainability that we've laid out. I was going to say, that's my question. What kind of a definition did you come up with for sustainability? Because depending on the groups you talk to, people working the land or you know people that are in town reading blogs would have a different definition. What definition did you guys come up with? Yeah, and I think therein lies the strength of having everybody at that table. So really we came up with the similar definition, but you know, without a doubt, I think... Um, we place the environment first, although it's it's a three-tiered pedestal, and, and just like others, it's the environment, it's economic viability, and then it has to work socially. But I think what we've done is we've weighed all three of them and said, okay, true sustainability is not going to happen with any of those legs being any weaker than the other. So it's really helpful, again, to have all of those concerned parties at the table because people began realizing, okay, we can do this, but it's going to have a negative effect on this one. So it really reframes, reframes the whole conversation. So we've got the definition. You've got a lot of groups involved. How far are we down the line setting up programs, whatever the case may be, as far as reaching sustainability? Because this isn't going to be done overnight. No, it's not. But I'll tell you, we've, we've really made tremendous progress. So I think one of our biggest accomplishments to date has been setting up a network of producer-led watershed groups. You're starting to see them pop up in the news. Uh, they become really popular. Farmers for Sustainable Food has really been offering the framework and a lot of the assistance, bringing in their knowledge and openly sharing it with these farmer-led groups, these farmer-led initiatives, really bringing what we know as the desire for sustainability from the consumer, from the public, bringing that back to the farmers. The farmers are the ones that are nine times out of ten going to affect the change. And I think that's really been the incredible. We've now got you know six producer-led watershed groups, 225,000 tillable acres in the state of Wisconsin, representing 200,000 cows that have willingly joined, willingly give their time, um, have done the homework to put that stake in the ground saying this is where we are on our sustainability journey and committed to continuous improvement. That's that's a pretty incredible story. That's a lot of cows and a lot of acres um, and quite a success story for an organization that's fairly new. And it's going to be successful when farmers buy in, and you said they have, in these watershed programs to make these decisions. What's best for their land might not be best for somebody in two, three counties over. But you all knew, you all know you don't do this in a vacuum. You've got NRCS, you've got all government agencies. Are they, and I would expect they would, because you're really helping them with their job, buying into this and giving you technical support and all the things that, uh, that you need to reach sustainability? Oh, Bob, not only are they buying into this, they're full support and indeed supporters. And when we talk about collaboration, absolutely, they've been at the table from the beginning and really been helpful. You know, they brought um, things like the Demo Farms Network to several of our producer-led watersheds. Um, uh, the progress that's being made is because we have been fully inclusive and, you know, really instead of, as you said, talking in a vacuum, we're talking as a group and it's not an echo chamber. So there's real effective change, really moving the dial towards sustainability. And does that mean funding is coming from these organizations as well? Because, you know, you start bringing machines in or whatever you need to do to work on these watersheds and things like that. Are you having success getting the funding you need? There is an important component there, um, uh, you know, but one of the things we want to be careful of, uh, absolutely, as farmers are trying new practices, there's risk involved. There's, there's absolutely, nobody's going to look you straight in the eye and say, yep, no risk, this worked over there, it'll work here. Um, so I, I think the, the groups, um, the governmental agencies, the nature conservancies have been very good. Even the processors have stepped forward with funding to take some of that risk out of first-year practices. But if we go back to, hey, what does sustainability look like? Economics becomes really important. So all of the all of the desired outcomes must work economically. And when we take that into account and we can teach, we can work together as a group of farmers and realize that, hey, not only is this thing, this practice, this technology great for the environment, but it also works economically. And it also works to bring that next generation of farmer back to the farm. Suddenly, farmers want to do this. So, you know, it's, it's no longer the carrot and the stick approach. This is definitely the carrot, and it works quite well. And this is not because of regulations, but because of the need for sustainability on the land. Lee Kennard with us, who's a board member of the program Farmers for Sustainable Food, farmer in the Casco area. Lee, 
we're talking about Wisconsin. Is this a national effort or is it expanding across the country? What is that status? Yeah, I'm very proud to say it is expanding. We've been, uh, you know, we've been reached out to by groups, not only in dairy farming, but, you know, the model that we've created, there was a lot of time and a lot of energy and some really bright people that put this model together. It's very replicable, thus Farmers for Sustainable Food. So we've been, you know, we've got corn growers calling us from Iowa. We, we've got, uh, you know, farmers, South Dakota, there's a large dairy presence there, so that was the connection there. Um, but obviously dairy farming in South Dakota is, is similar but dissimilar to Wisconsin. A lot of the growers there are farmers, and the dairyman is simply the dairyman. So we're moving on down this line, but yeah, it's, it's incredible the reach. Again, we're a fairly new organization. I'm really excited about where this is going to go. What is the goal? I mean, obviously sustainability for sustainable food, but uh, how fast are you moving and when will you be declaring it a success or is it an open-ended journey? So it's an open-ended journey, Bob, but I'll tell you one of the things that excites me, especially by having some of these key groups, the Nature Conservancy, for example, in the group with us. You know, we've realized that sustainability in itself is a stepping stone. But we've actually realized that some of the bigger issues we talk about, we talk about global climate change, we talk about carbon sequestration, um, suddenly it's like, wait a minute, if we're doing this from a sustainable model, guess what? We're also increasing our soil's carbon capacity, water holding capacity. So we're doing great environmentally, but on the bigger platform, suddenly we're actually taking land that sustainability is no longer the goal. We're regenerative agriculture. So I think it's a process. Um, uh, pretty cool to see that some of the practices being implemented by farmers are actually, you know, far surpassing just simple sustainability. How do farmers find out about this and maybe get involved in the program, Lee? Well, obviously, thank you today for the interview. That definitely is going to help reach an awful lot of farmers. I know farmers are busy guys. I am. And uh, listening to the radio is a lot easier. But if they do have some time, uh, we have a great web presence, uh, farmersforsustainablefood.com. We are on all of the social medias, all of the social platforms. We would welcome inquiries from other farmers. I mean, I think this is something that uh, farmers can get behind and are very excited to be a part of. No idea is a bad idea. It has to be discussed. Lee, keep up the good work. Hey, thank you, Bob. Thank you for your time today, and thanks for helping us get the word out. It's appreciated. Uh, and it's a need, word that needs to get out. Again, Farmers for Sustainable Food. Lee Kennard is a member of the board, a dairy farmer in the Casco area. I'm Bob Osold. Thanks so much. Bob and you know Bob Bosold should be back this week with us we'll see what kind of trouble he got into while he was out and about visiting people and yeah we'll have to see what kind of a suntan he comes back with it is 529 this morning and we'll have to be checking in with some morning markets we'll have premier livestock coming in next right here on wax wax 104.5 and the midwest farm report 29 minutes before the 6 o'clock hour, and it's time to check in with the markets this morning. Let's head over to Premier Livestock and check in with Rocky Olson. Good morning, Rocky. Hey, good morning. So how's the weather over there? Are you, do you have a nice weekend, enjoying the weather this morning so far? Yeah. No, weather's been uh, okay, and uh, it was uh, sports all weekend. We had basketball, we had volleyball, and we had wrestling. Wow, it was a busy weekend. Yep. Well, good. Well, hey, let's get moving this morning. Tell me what's all going on over at Premier. Uh, thank you, Kristen, and good morning, everyone. This is how last week's market shaped up here at Premier Livestock. Uh, fed cattle sold steady. Uh, high choice and prime Holstein steers, one eleven to one twenty five. Low choice and selects, a dollar to a dollar ten. Choice beef steers and heifers, one fifteen to one twenty seven. Market cows sold steady to strong. High yielding cows from sixty to eighty one. Most cows fifty to fifty nine. Lower yielding cows forty nine and down. Market bulls high yielding eighty to a dollar five. Uh, lower yielding seventy nine and down. Organic market cows sold every Monday. Uh, traded mostly from seventy to ninety five. Uh, those high yielding heavyweights from ninety six to a dollar five. Low yielding lightweight sixty nine and down. Newborn Holstein bull calves uh, strong market continues from eighty five to two thirty five. Beef calves one thirty five to four oh five. Holstein heifer calves ten to thirty. Uh, we got a very big week this week at Premier Tuesday. We got our special feeder cattle auction, bred beef cow auction. We're expecting six to seven hundred head of feeder cattle. Uh, bred beef cows, if you're bringing them in, they need to be in today, Monday, or by 9 o'clock a.m. Tuesday for preg checks. Then 
Uh, we got two dairy cattle auctions this week. Uh, we got one Wednesday. We got one Thursday. Wednesday, we got several reputation loads of top parlor freestall cows, uh, most of them being two and three year olds, many exceptional, exceptional quality spring and heifers. Uh, already, we have over 125 spring and heifers for the sale. Uh, plus, we do have a herd of Ayrshires and Jerseys. Uh, more info on uh, that consignment on our website. Then Thursday, uh, we have a one-owner herd dispersal of 300 Holstein Parlor Freestall Cows. That's on Thursday. Uh, that's a one-owner dispersal. Both this week's dairy cattle auctions start at 11 o'clock a.m. Uh, both these uh, auctions, uh, including the feeder cattle auction, will be broadcast live on Cattle USA for online bidding. Uh, if you can't make the sale and you want to bid on Online, make sure you do pre-register for that. Uh, more info at premierlivestockandauctions.com. Questions, give us a call at Premier at 715-229-2500. And don't forget, uh, we do have our spring machinery auction coming up March 25th. Uh, nationwide buyers, uh, proven results, excellent demand for your used farm equipment. So that's the way it's shaped up, Kristen. Wow, what a busy week you got going on. I'll let you get to it so that way you can get everything lined up and you know, maybe we'll stop in and maybe get some ice cream or something. When are you going to start giving away ice cream again? Oh, well, have to figure that out. Yeah, so. that sounds refreshing on a nice morning like this. It does. It's yeah. good for ice cream. So. <laughs> All, All right, right Rocky, we'll catch you later. Thank you. There he goes. That's Rocky Olson over at Premier. And it is that time of the morning. We actually got to check in with some weather this morning. Let's head over to our Skyworn 13 meteorologist, Mike Dandria. And check in with him. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. How are you today? I am fabulous. We've had some really nice weather. I know, right? This weekend was actually pretty nice. I mean, it was actually kind of pretty, too, yesterday when we had, the, like, just a couple flakes. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Just um, that little flurry. Yeah, and it was nice and warm, too. So, Well, I mean, obviously, relative term, I should say. Hey, it, compared to last week, you know, oh, like gosh, 20 yeah. to 30 below, I would say, yeah, we were in a heat wave yesterday. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, today, that heat wave, if you will, continues uh, with mostly cloudy conditions. Temperatures climbing to about the low 30s for the most part. And we'll have that cloud cover really hanging around. Good news out of that, though, is that our temperatures won't fall too much and uh, climbing, or excuse me, uh, dipping to about the upper 20s for the most part, too. And it is setting up for a chance of flurries on Tuesday, but otherwise mostly cloudy. Temperatures will start to fall, though, by the afternoon, looking at more of the upper teens and be breezy, too, with gusts as high as 35 miles an hour at times. Tuesday night, that's when it starts to cool off, getting to around the zero degree mark with mostly cloudy conditions. Setting up for cloud cover hanging around into Wednesday, but temperatures only getting to about 11 degrees, maybe a couple degrees above or below that. Back below zero by Wednesday night, and Arctic air is hanging around into Thursday. Temperatures not likely to get out of the single digits, but we'll have mostly sunny skies to show for that. Right now in Eau Claire, temperature of 5 degrees. I'm Sky 113 meteorologist Mike Dandria. Sounds good. Now, Mike, I've got a question for you. I have an answer. Groundhog's Day is coming up. <laughs> yes, it is. What's the prediction? What are you going to tell me? Well, I mean, it is a uh, living being, and there's <laughs> plenty of lights. Um, if the groundhog does not see his shadow, I would be shocked. Yes. <laughs> that's uh, that, That's my take on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, now, who, who do you listen to? Do we listen to the Wisconsin groundhog or Punxsutawney Phil? <laughs> well, I was born in the Pittsburgh area, so, ah. you know, Punxsutawney is only about an hour and a half from where I was born. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's, uh, I- I'm a little partial to good old Phil. <laughs> I think everybody is, especially when he became famous on the movie Groundhog Day. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, excellent. Well, we know what your prediction is, so he's going to see a shadow, which means a month and a half of winter. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll we'll see. I I usually like to base mine off of models instead of a groundhog, but hey, you know. (laughs) Well, he is kind of a model, you know, put him in a little, like, Calvin Klein, and he's perfect. Oh, dear God, I don't (laughs) want to picture that. (laughs) I knew I'd get you this morning. (laughs) All right, well, thanks for the update, Mike. No problem. You have a great day. You too. Thanks. There he goes. That's our Skyward 13 meteorologist, Mike Dandria. And this morning's weather is brought to you by Marquardt Motors. And shopping for tires? Think Marquardt Motors. Call the service and parts department or visit MarquardtMotors.com. Feeding information to the folks who feed you. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Well, we are at 5 degrees in the Eau Claire Chippewa Falls Menominee area. We got some wind coming in tomorrow. And then it's going to cool off. I'm kind of liking the weather as is. 
But it is that time of the morning. We've got to check in with Morgan McCarthy and see what's going on in the news. Well, good morning. Here's what we're learning today. We'll start with headlines in our state as there were a lot of people who saw Saturday's deadly shooting outside of Beloit's Memorial High School. And now the city's police chief wants them to come forward. Chief Andre Salas says about 30 people saw a shooting and none of them are cooperating with police. Investigators say the 19-year-old victim was a former Memorial student. No one's saying why he was shot after that basketball game in that part of our state. In other headlines, the gun used by Kyle Rittenhouse is set to be destroyed. Wisconsin and judge approved an agreement by lawyers to have the firearm Rittenhouse used in three shootings in August of 2020 destroyed. Rittenhouse's attorney filed a request for the AR-15 style rifle to be returned to Rittenhouse rather than Dominic Black, who is technically the owner of the gun, to prevent it from being sold by Black. Our request for Rittenhouse's clothes to be returned was filed for the same reason. Rittenhouse's lawyers also filed a motion seeking the $2 million raised by conservatives for Rittenhouse's bail in hopes of dividing it between between his firm and the Fight Back Foundation. Headlines that bring us closer to our area. The price tag for a fire on Saturday in Rice Lake is coming in at $100,000. It was a garage fire. Firefighters say the fire gutted the garage. No one hurt, though. Investigators say they're looking for the cause of that fire. We head into the classroom where kids in Wisconsin high schools could soon be required to take a class on credit cards and savings accounts. It adds up to a new group of lawmakers pushing a proposal that would require a lesson in financial literacy before Four kids can graduate. Time to balance the checkbook, right? The class would cover everything from balancing a checkbook to the pitfalls of credit cards. Many schools already teach personal finance, but lawmakers want to make it a requirement for schools. Well, we're hanging out at the Capitol. A longtime advocate says the latest medical marijuana bill being offered by Republican legislators falls short of what people need to access the drug. Some ability to, to grow your own medicine is, is pretty critical because that way you're not facing the, the steep potential costs of going to dispensaries. Well, Gary Stork of Madison heads up the group, Is My Medicine Legal Yet? The new legislation would keep medical marijuana tightly regulated and only allow doctors to recommend various non-smokable forms of the drug to their patients. And with our colder temps on the way, maybe you're looking forward to curling up with a good book while the personal library of late Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg is going for big bucks. Where do you file that one, Brian? CNBC reports that on Thursday the collection was auctioned off at over $2.3 million. Over 1,000 books and memorabilia were within the selection, with one book selling for more than $100,000. That turned out to be Ginsburg's annotated copy of the 1957-58 Harvard Law Review. The library also consisted of books signed by Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer, who announced his retirement on Wednesday. I'm Brian Shook. And away from the library, you can check out more farm news with Kristen Jill in the Midwest Farm Show this morning. And then just after 6 this morning with Alex Edwards, it's the Wax Morning Show where you don't have to use your library voices. Gets a little loud and rowdy sometimes right here on Wax 104.5. Thanks so much, Morgan. Always great to hear from you in the morning. And this morning's news is brought to you by Chippewa Valley Bean. And we've got markets coming up next. It's still a busy morning. We've got a lot to do 19 minutes before 6 o'clock. And again, the morning news is brought to you by... Brought to you by Chippewa Valley Bean of Menominee. Happy New Year to you and yours from the gang at Chippewa Valley Bean. Let's make 2022 a great year with a crop of dark red kidney beans. Kidney beans, you know, are a high-value crop with a great return on investment and a great addition to any rotation. Chippewa Valley Bean would like to work with you in 2022 to bring value to your operation with a crop of dark red kidney beans. If you want to talk about what Chippewa Valley Bean can do for you, give Ben, their agronomist, a call at 715-556-1930 or find them on the web at cvbean.com. That's cvbean.com. It's that time of the morning for our morning markets. Let's head over to the Equity Altoona Barn and check in with Jim Lindsay. Choice beef steers and heifers dollar to a dollar twenty-five. Choice dairy cross steers and heifers dollar to a dollar twenty. High yielding choice and prime Holstein steers a dollar twelve to a dollar twenty. Choice Holstein steers a dollar to a dollar eleven. Select underfinished heavyweight oversized steers and heifers ninety-nine and down. Top 20% of the cull cows sold from 64 to 72, the top of 78. 60% of the cows sold from 50 to 63, the bottom 20% of the cows sold from 49 and down. We are now selling organic cattle on Tuesdays at the El Tuna Market. Please have all cattle and appropriate paperwork to the barn by 11 a.m. the day of sale. Our next special feeder sale is February 4th. 
All feeder sales are live on Cattle USA. If you have any questions about how to register as a bidder on Cattle USA or to consign cattle to upcoming sale, feel free to give us a call at 715-835-3104. To check out our early consignments, go to the Equity Livestock Market Consignment page and click on the Altoona Market. This has been Jim Lindsay reporting from Equity Livestock in Altoona. Have a great day. Thanks so much, Jim, and you have a great day, too. And now it is that time of the morning to check in with more markets. Let's head over to the Equity Stratford Barn and check in with Jerry Fitzgerald. Good morning, Jerry. Well, Kristen and Jill, good morning to you. And uh, while you guys were talking about uh, Groundhog, I don't know, I didn't even get too excited about that, but uh, (laughs) I don't know what, uh, I don't know what... What, if he sees his shadow, we got, what, six more weeks of winter or something? Or If he sees his shadow, we have a month and a half until spring. If he doesn't see a shadow, we've got six weeks of winter. Oh, well, that <laughs> sounds like a real meteorological <laughs> whatever, huh? I know. I know. And even uh, Mike Dandry on 13, he says, I don't give him much credit. He'd rather look at the stats and, and see, like, models and I told him we can put in Punxsutawney Phil and a little, like, Kelvin Klein. That would be kind of cute. Yeah, well, we got got to have a few little holidays to celebrate here in the wintertime, kind of break up the monotony, but I guess that's been a tradition around. Really, how long has this groundhog thing been going on? I know it's way before my time. Oh, probably when it's- if it's way before your time, it's way before mine. <laughs> yeah, well, well, anyway, we better get on to something that's Sounds more pertinent. Good. Well, Kristen and Jill, thank you, and a very good morning to everyone. Sales schedule this pretty Stratford as we uh, have a full marketing week here. Uh, as we're on Monday morning at 9.30 a.m. this morning. Day on Monday, we sell uh, market uh, fed cattle. Baby calves will be at 11.30 uh, this morning. And again, like we've been mentioning, uh, the weather a little bit warmer today, So, but still on these uh, good quality calves, good demand on the on the quality calves. Has very little demand. Keep that in mind. We're selling uh, tomorrow Tuesday. Busy day here in Stratford. Uh, tomorrow with the hay and straw auction. Ten o'clock will be the sale. The dairy cattle sale. So organic market cows by the conventional market cows. Also, all that is our Wednesday auction does start at, and we have a full marketing day on Wednesday here with, well, of course, featuring uh, Wednesday. We do feature the. And also sheep, hog, and goats. The cattle sale uh, this week uh, does start around the noon hours. Uh, this week we do have red beef cows, and we do have some red beef for that sale. Or that will be, of course, on Wednesday. The auction does start at 11 o'clock. Marketing day also on Thursday. Um, and we also want to mention, of course, I don't know, uh, folks, the uh, follow our web. Of course, uh, 2022 Equity Livestock is celebrating 100 years of uh, producers in all th- in the Midwest. So uh, we invite our the person um, interested uh, to our annual district schedule is on our website. Of course, it's coming in March, but uh, we're having a very busy year here um, celebrating 100 years. So we certainly invite folks to come and visit us with that. And I'm probably on your schedule, Kristen. Oh, of course, a hundred years. That's a long time. Yeah, it is. And I mean, back uh, 1922, most of the stock was marketed through uh, a market in Milwaukee. And, of course, things have expanded out since then, obviously. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, been, I mean, it's uh, unbelievable. But, uh, oh, we're going to, planning on seeing a lot of folks at the NO district meetings. Like I said, the schedule for that, uh, that's on our website, so you can look at that. Uh, we better turn it back to you, and we'll be uh, back here tomorrow morning. Uh, a full report on what's going to be happening today here at Stratford. Sounds so Enjoy good. the day, and uh, are we are expecting Robert back sometime this week. Yeah, he should be back. I think he's flying in today. I don't know if he'll be back with us tomorrow or if he'll be, you know, sleeping in. I, I don't know what he's going to do. Hopefully he'll come do back. Get, uh, do you get jet lag when you come from Hawaii? I have no idea. I've never been. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. I don't know. It's uh, not that far of a flight. And then, of course, when he's when he's flying east, is that uh, see the time changes? Being or losing hours? I don't know. That's too too comprehend this early in the morning, isn't it? Yeah, I'll let him deal with that. I'll stay here. You know, work with the farmers. You know, getting the chores done on a Monday morning. That's my job. We'll let him. You know, 
have the, as my husband says, the nice job. All right. Well, you ladies have a nice day, and we'll again, we'll talk to you tomorrow morning. Sounds good, Jerry. Catch you later. Bye. There he goes. That's Jerry Fitzgerald over at the Stratford Equity Barn. We've got Michelle from Turin. She's coming in next. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Time to check in with some more markets this morning. Let's head over to Tareen Livestock and check in with Michelle. Good morning, Michelle. Hey, good morning, Kristen. So did you watch any of the games yesterday? Oh, my gosh, of course. I watched the Rams game. I watched a little bit. I watched the very end, like, last quarter of the Chiefs game. And that was a great game, but I'm so happy for the Rams. I am. Yes. I'm excited about that. So, I mean, yeah. if anyone's going to go, I'd like to see them versus, the, I hate to say it, the same old, same old ones constantly going. Yeah, the 49ers would have been, I mean, I don't know. I just like, I like Cooper Cup. I like Matthew Stafford. And Matthew Stafford was with the Detroit Lions, which was such a losing team for so many years. So uh, it's nice to see him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy for him. So well, I'm good. happy for him. And hopefully they win. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Hopefully They're they do. They're home stadium. Yeah, that mm-hmm. would be really cool. Well, hey, catch yeah. us up. What's all going on over at Tureen Livestock? All right. Thank you, Kristen. Summing up the week of January 24th at Tureen Livestock Market in the Southwark Market, we tapped at 85 last week. 83% of the cows flipped from 53 and above. Market cows were 61 to 78, low-yielding cows 50 to 60, thin and weak cows 45 and lower. In the Holstein Fair Market Choice and Prime, 102 to 122, selects were 98 and down. For B-type stairs and heifers, choice 104 to 126, selects were 102 and lower. In the bull market, high-yielding beef types came in at 65 to 86, with the utilities at 63 and down. In the replacement calf market, good quality hosting bull calves up from 90 to $215 per head. Lighter and lower quality calves, $30 per head and down. Hosting heifer calves were 10 to $25 per head. Beef beef cross calves, 80 to 330 per head. In the hog market, the butcher hogs were 46 to 59 and a half. There was no test on the sows. Boars were 18 and below. Today will be our next show. We'll start with calves at 5 p.m. If you have any questions or you need trucking, give us a call at the market at 715-669-7127. And, of course, check us out on the web at tlmthorpe.com. For all the Citroen Livestock, your family owned in every market. Have a great day. You too, Michelle. Now, before I let you go... Do you got your Valentine's yeah. Day present ready for your hubby yet? No, I don't. Oh. I actually, I was buzzing through, yeah, I was buzzing through a couple of stores fast yesterday, and I, that actually came to my head. I'm like, wow, the month of January really did go fast. So it did. I'm I know today's the last that. day of the month, and I do have an idea for you to get your husband for Valentine's Day. Do you? Okay, I do. Hear it. Farm Technology Days is coming to Clark County in July. <laughs> and we're having there that concert, hey. Farm Tech Fest. Sawyer Brown, Joe Nichols. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Sawyer Brown. Yeah, I remember you guys. Yes, yes, yeah. That's, a, that's an awesome gift. It'd be great for me as well. I know. So go to farmtechfest.com. Get your tickets now. All right. Hey, great, great <laughs> idea. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I'm always thinking of you, Michelle. I promise. Yeah, I know. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you have a great day. We'll catch you later on in the week. Sounds good. Take care. You too. There she goes. That's Michelle over at Tureen Livestock this morning. And we've got some more reports coming up and our markets. It's a busy morning yet. And it is a busy morning here at Wax. We've got a lot of stuff going on. But it is time to check in with some morning markets before we continue. We've got your March corn up four at 640. March oats up 35 cents to 710. We've got your March soybeans up 19 at 1489. March soybean meal up six dollars and forty cents to 41760 a ton. March wheat up eight at 794. Country elevators in the area, Golden Plump and Arcadia's at 580 for corn. Baldwin, Durand, and Elmwood, 578 for corn, 1426 for beans. Mondovi's at 578 and 1416. Fall Creek's at 578, 1406. Osseo's at 588 for corn, 1416 for beans. Stevens Point is at 1407. Elk Mound is at 586, 1420. Sparta's at 592 and 1414. Ellsworth is at 566 for corn and 1406 for beans. Ethanol plants in the area. Boyceville's at 615. Stanley's at 603. New Richmond's at 597. And looking at the dairy side, barrel cheese up six and a half cents to $1.74 and a quarter. Your blocks up six to $1.79. 
Double A grade butter is up a nickel at two fifty four in your class three futures for January. Unchanged at twenty thirty six. February up thirty five cents to twenty nineteen. March up sixty nine cents to twenty one thirty eight. April up forty seven to twenty one fifty. May up thirty seven to twenty one forty five. And the markets were double digits upward through November of twenty twenty two. Again this morning we're going to talk alfalfa with Randy Welch on our next Grow Alfalfa Update program. Randy with Winfield United works in Minnesota, Wisconsin, the Midwest, and all the way out east. Talked about forage quality and the new genetics with alfalfa coming forward. And I asked Randy about that with the new genetics and the forage quality we're looking at. What are we really seeing as far as uh, an increase? Uh, I would expect we're going to see an increase in forage quality with these new genetics, aren't we? There would be more forage quality, of course. Uh, higher RFQ would be r- really uh, the, the biggest difference would be higher RFQ. And then, and, uh, but as far as physically looking at the plant, plants are just bigger, more robust, and higher yield. As we look at uh, in Wisconsin on an everyday basis going forward with uh, forages in the spring and overwintering, what do you expect? Of course, Mother Nature will determine that with snowfall and things like that. But uh, going into going into winter, I mean, we had fourth crop that was waist high. Guys were deciding whether to cut it or what to do with it. Yeah, I, I think quite frankly, we've got uh, we, we're set up pretty well. Um, you know, winter kill is usually one of these things that it's hard to predict. Uh, we really need to, you know, get in through March before we're really going to know icing conditions and wet soil. Uh, you know, we we were fairly dry for much of the uh, uh, the, the heavy rains that some guys had might be a concern in some farms. Uh, wet soils are always uh, a bit of a challenge for guys, sometimes with winter injury, but we really need to know what the March uh, time frame is going to do. And to your point about the, the not harvesting alfalfa in the fall, that's actually a good thing. And so those alfalfa plants basically grew, soaked up energy, soaked up sunlight uh, all through the, uh, the month of October, really into November. They were still growing and soaking up sunlight to store and, and live, uh, get ready for winter. So I, so I feel pretty good about uh, winter injury. Just have to wait, wait and see what happens in uh, January, February, March. Randy, one of the things we're hearing is supply chain issues. Some of these new varieties, anthracnose and aphanomyces resistant, are there going to be enough seed bags available in the spring? Yeah, we're in good shape as far as seed supply. Uh, we've got a- adequate supply of all the products that I mentioned. So uh, seed supply, alfalfa seed will be uh, relatively abundant. So we should be in good shape for, for seed supply. And, uh, and, you know, we're under the same challenges, quite frankly, of any of the other suppliers of getting our products from the from the west coast to the east eastern u.s uh but as, as of right now we're in great supply oh that's good to hear new genetics good supplies good story randy welch with uh, winfield united again the agronomy manager for most of the eastern u.s for winfield i'm bob Bosold. thanks so much bob we're at five degrees right now in the old claire chippewa falls menominee area looking for a high of 31 it's going to be a mostly cloudy day so enjoy it tomorrow 35